Philippians 1.1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness. Now I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent. And so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. This is the inspired word of our God. Good morning, everybody. We'd like to invite our children to Children's Church. Um, your teacher will meet you out there in the hallway. And uh, let's uh, start the study of God's word with prayer. Well, first of all, I have an important announcement to make. This is really, really super important stuff. Um, Heather and Steve Carranza gave birth, well, Heather did, Steve did the easy part, uh, to Cheyenne Ray, uh, August 9th, she is uh, 19 inches and weighs 7.2 pounds. So congratulations to the Carranzas. And let's pray for the, the growth of that beautiful family. Let's pray. Uh, Father, thank you for um, the many songs we get to sing in the morning to bring praise and glory to you. And like we just said, Lord, the, the powers of darkness can't drown out the praise of your name. The word hallelujah will echo throughout eternity and Satan can't do a thing about it. So, Lord, may you be glorified and praised. Thank you for our salvation. Thank you for our fellowship. And uh, thank you for the opportunity, the invitation, the command to worship you. Father, we pray for the Carranza family. Thank you for uh, Cheyenne's birth and her safe arrival. We pray that uh, she will be growing in a family who will train her in the ways of the Lord, who will show her the way of salvation, and that she will grow to, to know and to trust you. Lord, we're anticipating how she'll serve and what you'll do with her life. Um, this, this beginning is, is so amazing. And Father, we also want to pray for Teresa again, um, and, uh, who had a fall in the uh, parking lot and hurt her knee last week. Lord, would you heal her and, and give her strength, um, bind up her weakness and make her strong again. And uh, I just pray that the, the damage would not be uh, too bad. Uh, Lord, that it would be uh, easy to recover from. And uh, Lord, have mercy on her. Father, we pray for Tommy and Ebony uh, um, Williams, who have... Um, gotten sick. Tommy has pneumonia. Father, would you uh, bless them and heal them? We, uh, we miss them in our fellowship, and so bring them back to us soon, we ask. 
And uh, Lord, we also want to pray for the Reese family again. A few weeks ago, we prayed for Rosie as her father passed away. And now um, Ken Reese, Kevin's father, is, uh, is ill. He's in the hospital and possibly heading for hospice care. Lord, uh, we pray that you would take this good and faithful servant home uh, calmly and peacefully like you did with, um, with Rosie's father, that he would enter into his rest and his, his uh, reward with you. Uh, in, a, in a peaceful way. And Lord, thank you for the, the time that uh, we had with him, but also uh, for the legacy he leaves behind. And uh, we just pray that you would bless him. Uh, Father, we also, with a heavy heart, have to pray for the situation in Afghanistan as our government has foolishly and precipitously withdrawn the minimal amount of support troops that were there, and now the Taliban is raging. And Father, just this week, I heard uh, from somebody who heard from uh, a series of small house churches in Afghanistan and Kabul that uh, the Taliban have already written to them and threatened their lives. And so the persecution uh, again rises. And so Lord, we pray for the believers that are there that you would uh, shelter them. Lord, if they are to be martyrs, may they die with your name on their lips, they die well. And Lord, may their death be the, the seed of uh, a growing church in Afghanistan, despite the intentions of the militia there. Um, Lord, uh, we learned from Daniel that these things happen, these, these powers, these tyrants rise and they fall, but they fall according to your plan and your purpose. And so Lord, uh, we ask for mercy for those who will suffer underneath uh, the Taliban and we pray a swift end to their rule. Um, Lord, now though we turn to the book of Philippians and Holy Spirit, we ask that you'd be with us to help us to see and to understand what it is that you're telling us from this book today, the glorious promises that we hear. And Lord, we ask all of this in Christ's precious name. Amen. Amen. So how would you like to join the Ejection Thai Club? Sounds good. The Ejection Thai Club. Current membership is about 6,000, just over 6,000 worldwide. So it's a fairly exclusive club. Um, membership is for life, so they can't kick you out. Not yet. You blew it. Ah, oh, never mind. I'm going to go sit down. <laughs> um, now you know. So I'll go with it anyway. Okay, act like you didn't see that picture. <clears throat> uh, membership is uh, uh, for life. They can't kick you out. The club never has meetings or conventions, and there are no dues. Uh, the benefits are when you join, you get a customized tie, hence the name Ejection Tie Club. Um, you, get, uh, you get a tie customized, a patch, a certificate, and a really steep discount on a limited edition Vermont watch, which usually retails for about $4,000 to $9,000. So that sounds like a good deal, doesn't it? No dues. So how do you join this club? Well, all you have to do to join the Ejection Tie Club is safely eject from an aircraft that has a Martin Baker ejection seat in it. That's all you got to do. Pretty easy. Um, oh, and you have to survive. <laughs> That's another issue there. Um, so uh, for context, there's been about 8,000 or so ejections you know, in, in, uh, in the world. So a fair number of those folks join. Now, um, I'm not sure. Now you can put that up. There we go. <laughs> I'm not sure if Lieutenant Commander or Lieutenant uh, Keith Gallagher uh, got to join. He was a Navy bombardier navigator on an A6D. And uh, in the A6, the seats are not behind each other, they're side by side. And his uh, Martin Baker ejection seat malfunctioned and shot him through the canopy. 
um, but didn't eject him. So he's flying. One arm is pinned back because of the airspeed. And uh, he had to do an emergency landing. This was 1991, so not that long ago. Uh, do an emergency landing on the USS Abraham Lincoln. Um, uh, Lieutenant Gallagher survived, but I'm not sure if that qualifies for membership in the Thai Club because he didn't safely eject. He, he only half ejected, so he only got about halfway there. So, um, so anybody interested? <laughs> yeah, the, I spent 22 years in the Air Force making sure aircraft performed flawlessly. I don't want people to punch out of them. I want them to be able to land with it. So I'm not interested in joining. The good news is I have a club for you to join that is much easier and, and uh, it has greater benefits. And that club is called the Fellowship in the Gospel. And so what we're learning in the book of Ephesians or Philippians, I said that this morning to Philippians is um, last week, we, we kind of did the introduction to it. We looked at the, the very first two verses. And what I said last week is the theme of the book of Philippians is that idea of worthy of the gospel. And, and I kind of unpacked that a little bit. The gospel is that you're saved by faith alone and um, by grace alone, through faith alone and Christ alone. And it's not by works. So you can't make yourself worthy of the gospel. But once you are have received the gospel, once you have been saved by it, it can, it should affect it, change how you live. And so that's what Paul is going to show us is what does it look to live a life that is in conformity to the gospel? And that's, that's the theme. So last week, we looked at the introduction to the letter, who it's from, who it's to. And then in classical Greek letters, they would just say greetings, but Paul changes that and said grace and peace to you. And so that was kind of the introduction to the letter. Now, Paul's typical pattern is the next thing he does is he offers some thanksgiving for the church he's writing to or the person, and then he offers a prayer. And so what we're going to look at this week is the thanksgiving portion. So Rich read 1 through 11, just so we have some context, we're going to look at his, his thanksgiving, which is verses 3 through 7 this morning. Um, so that's where we're going to go. Uh, what I want to do is kind of go through those verses and then at the end say, well, how does this affect us? What does this mean for us? How do we join the fellowship of the gospel club? How do we get into that? So let's take a look through the text first. Verse one or verse three, rather. I thank my God in all remembrance for you always in every prayer of my for you all making my prayer with joy. Did you catch it? In, in Greek, the word is pan. It means all. So like we talk about the Pan-American Games would be the All-America's Games. Uh, the, a panacea is a cure-all. So that word pan is, is what's going on here. And Paul repeats it four times in that, that short little sentence. You get the feeling that he is overflowing with joy for these Philippians. He, he is, the word all comes up over and over and over again because he is so consumed with them. He loves them so dearly. I thank my God in all my remembrances. Every time I pray, I remember you and I thank God for you. Always in every prayer of mine. It's, it's just this overflowing joy for this church. And we talked about that last week as we introduced the Philippian churches. Paul just loves these folks. There's so much going on. So where he goes with this, though, is he says in the next verse, um, in verse five, because of your partnership in the gospel from that first day until now. So why is he so overwhelmingly in love with the Philippians? Because, that's, that's the key there, because of their partnership in the gospel. So partnership, I'm a little twitchy with that translation. Um, it, it kind of gets the idea, but I mean, when you think of partnership, what do you think of? 
I think of a lawyer getting his partnership means his, his name goes on the letterhead or her name goes on the, the outside of the building. That seems like a partnership. It's almost like a, a business deal. And so one of the problems here is, is when we look at this, Paul is thankful to the Philippians for a number of things. One of them are, one of them is because they sent him money. They're partnering with him in the gospel. They're sending him cash because he's in jail in Rome. And jail in Rome in those days was, you don't get to leave. We're not providing anything for you. You just can't leave. So if you don't have friends and family to come and feed you, you die. Too bad. So he's grateful for them. They're participating with him. But what we'll see this morning is it's much more than just they sent him cash. So I'm afraid if we use the word partnership, it can sound like, thanks for the money. And it just isn't sufficient. He is saying thanks for the money. That, that's part of it. But there's much more going on. So what's the word there? The word for fellowship or partnership is koinonia. Have you ever heard that before? That, that Greek term? Koinonia. We talk about the Greek of the New Testament as koinonia Greek. In other words, the common language that people spoke in the streets. Um, it, it's not the, the classic Greek that they spoke, you know, in courts and things. This is what receipts were written in and notes for mom were written in and that kind of stuff. So it's common, common as in everybody uses it. It's shared among all of us, not common as in frequency. Um, do you, um, I have a cold. Do you commonly get that? Does, is that a common occurrence for you? That's frequency. That's not what it's talking about. When we use the word common here, we're talking about that shared idea, that, that broadness of, of what's going on. So partnership feels a little empty to me. The way that koinonia is translated in the New Testament is much, or, well, let's not say, let's say Paul. The way Paul uses koinonia is much better. For example, in 1 Corinthians 1.9, um, he says, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, the fellowship. That's that koinonia word. That's the relationship. It's more than just, you know, Jesus and you wave at him when you pass him in the hallway. There's, there's a greater relationship there. Or in 2 Corinthians 13, 14, Paul talks about the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Well, what's our relationship to the Holy Spirit? We are sealed with the Holy Spirit. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives us new life. And it's not just a passing acquaintance. That fellowship, that koinonia is much closer. Um, it could be participation is another way that it's translated. Um, when, uh, for example, in uh, 1 Corinthians 1.9, oh no, I'm sorry, in 1 Corinthians 10.16, rather, I'm sorry, uh, Paul says, the cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? That is koinonia. So again, it's not just this passive kind of business arrangement. It is something much deeper. Uh, one of the dictionaries that I looked at explains it this way. In 1 Corinthians 10, 16, koinonia means participation in the body and the blood of Christ, and thus union with the exalted Christ. This fellowship with Christ comes about through the creative intervention of God. It happens through the transformation of human beings into the very root of their being. It is birth into a new existence and can be expressed by the contrast of life and death. This new existence is not a divinization, big word, you don't become divine, in the sense of mysticism or a mystery religion, but incorporation into Jesus' death burial, resurrection, and glory. 
It is the elimination or fusion of person. It is not, I'm sorry, it is not the elimination or fusion of personality, but a new relationship based on the forgiveness of sins. So do you get the weight of that word koinonia? So when Paul says um, that it is because of your koinonia in the gospel from the first day until now, it, it captures, you begin to see why he used all so many times. It's this great integration of these, these lives together. So Paul is full of joy because of their integration or because of their koinonia. Uh, it's, it's more than just that fellowship. Um, and so now in verse six, Paul goes on to say, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So I am sure of this. So Paul, looking at the Philippians, he says, I rejoice for all the things that you've done. I am grateful for the fellowship that we have in the gospel. And that thing that you've done, I am sure that God will bring it to completion at the day of the Lord. Now, the popular way to understand that verse, I think, and it's not wrong. I'm just, just saying the popular way is to talk about salvation. The security of our salvation in Christ is we are born again into him. And so God began that work in us. He will complete it. And um, when I looked at John Calvin's comments on this, I thought they were particularly beautiful, although the translation was stilted. So my paraphrase of Calvin's thoughts on this, um, one of the questions that comes up is, is people want to know, how can I be certain of somebody else's salvation, right? Because he says, I am certain of this. I'm certain that God is going to bring this to completion in your lives. And so it raises the question, well, how can Paul be certain of their salvation? And so here's Calvin's thoughts. He says, our assurance of our salvation is different than what we can have about somebody else's salvation. The spirit of God himself witnesses to me of my calling, just as he does to everyone else who is elect. It's an internal thing, right? When it comes to other people's salvation, however, that evidence is not apparent to us. All we can see is the outworking of the spirit in them. That is the way the grace of God manifests in them. So how can Paul be sure of their salvation? Well, he can't be sure of their salvation the way he can be sure of his salvation. That's an intern, internal, subjective, the spirit witnesses to my spirit kind of moment. But when he looks at the Philippians, he can be sure of their salvation because what he's seeing in them is the fruit of the spirit. That, that's what he means by the fellowship of the gospel is they are exhibiting that life that's worthy of the gospel. So here's where, where Calvin goes with that. This is a rule for, um, yeah, I'm sorry. So this, there is, therefore, a great difference between the two assurances because the assurance of our faith is inward and personal. When we see outward signs of divine election in others, we ought to be filled with good hope for them so that we may not wind up judging them more harshly than we should. We should be grateful to God for their salvation. This is the general rule, both for ourselves and for others, that distrusting our own strength, we depend entirely upon God for our, alone for our salvation. And that's, that's what I think we can get. If we're going to look at verse 6 and say this is pertaining to salvation, and it, it includes that, I think Calvin's warning is, is, is founded. Don't worry about the assurance of their salvation. Be sure of the assurance of your salvation. And when you see the works of grace in them, the proper response is rejoice, is celebrate. God has saved these folks. 
to my own shame, I, I'm still ashamed of this. Years later, when we went on our first trip to Burma, um, Jennifer Crumry and I were on a team and we were put in this, this little bamboo hut out in the middle of the, the uh, jungle. And she and I spent the day preaching the gospel, just sharing Jesus Christ with these folks. So the room was full. And at a certain point, I stood up and I said, okay, so we've explained this. And I'd like to ask you, who here would like to stop being a Buddhist and become a Christian? And the whole room raised their hand. And I went, well, they don't get it. How shameful is that? How, how lack of faith is that? Um, they got it. God was moving. God was doing things there. So what I should have done was look at that and celebrate and go, Lord, that's amazing. How could you bring these people to nowhere, in the middle of nowhere, listening to me, of all people, and, and make that decision? So I wish I had listened. <laughs> the next day I did. I was really excited the next day. But that day I was just like, oh, they don't get it. <sighs> Father, forgive me. Um, so that's if we're talking about verse six pertaining to salvation. And like I said, it, it, it does, but I think there's more to it than that. We have to fit it into the context of Philippians one. And when we put it back into the context, what we see is it links up with the verse before it. So Paul had given thanks because they had, um, their, their, um, where to go five because of their par partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, right? So that's what Paul is thanking God for, for their partnership for the first day. And then in verse six, he says, he who began a good work in you. So he's referring back to that beginning. And then in verse five, he says, until now, until it's finished. And then he repeats in verse six, till the completion in the day of, of Jesus. So I think the context he's talking about is he's looking back at what the Philippians have done their partnership in, in the gospel, their fellowship in the gospel with him. And they're saying, well, that's what God is going to be faithful to bring to completion, Philippians. This is, this is what God's going to complete for you. So their faith in Jesus will lead to eternal life. So it does include salvation. So what did God begin in them? You remember from last week, God began a work in them when he opened Lydia's heart to hear Paul's teaching. And she became the first convert in Asia or in, uh, in Europe and was the first church in Philippi. He began a good work in the Ephesian, or in the Philippian jailer's heart when an earthquake struck. That, remember that peculiar earthquake? Not only does it break open windows, it, it undoes, undoes handcuffs somehow. That one, he began a good work in that Philippian jailer, and there's the second church in Philippi. So all of these things come together and begin to work into in Paul's ministry, into the, the spreading of the gospel. They support Paul's ministry, and that will have eternal consequences, not just for the individual people who are saved, at least that, but their work with Paul's ministry will help him do things like write inspired books of the New Testament. That will have ongoing eternal consequences. It will cause him to uh, take money to Jerusalem, to the saints in Jerusalem, from Gentile churches, this will begin to shatter that idea that there's a distinction between Jew and Gentile, that in the church, they're one. And, and these things will have eternal consequences. People will be blown away by that idea. How, how on earth can that happen? So these are some of the things that are happening that, that God is beginning in the Philippians. And Paul says, I am confident he will bring them to completion. They're, they're going to have eternal consequences. And when will you reap those eternal consequences? They will be brought to completion at the day of the Lord Jesus. 
In other words, when Jesus returns and death is done, resurrection is brought to his people, when they, when they join with him to rule the earth, that's when those blessings will come to fruition. They'll be able to see and enjoy that. God will be faithful between then and now. So as you think of Afghanistan, it's just really been on my heart lately, the church and what they're going through there. What you can do is you can look at verse six and say, God will be faithful to bring it to completion in, in these folks, even if they're executed, even if the Taliban comes in and shoots them all. God will be faithful to bring them to completion at the day of the Lord. So that's the great news, is the resurrection is coming. As we're dealing with COVID and aging and all these other things, great news, you get a new body. No, you don't. You get this body made new, put back together, brought to, to fullness. And so that's the blessing of the coming of the day of the Lord. God will be faithful to bring it to that completion. So the next thing he says, verse seven, it is right for me to feel this way about you because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. It is right for me to feel this way. I am justified in feeling this about you. Again, do you see his assurance of their salvation, of their assurance of their hope in the gospel? I am right. It is right for me to do this. Now, one thing that's missing in, e, in the ESV, and I think the NIV as well, is in Greek, there's a word there that, that connects this to the previous verse. So the Christian Standard Bible uses the word indeed, or the King James even, or the New American Standard says for, and it kind of links it together. Um, so don't miss that. The seven goes with six. God will bring this to completion. And therefore, and for that reason, it's right to me, for me to feel this way about you. It, it doesn't really change the meaning of the sentence, but it helps keep the thought together, I think. I, I would love to know why the ESV left it out. I, I don't know what they were thinking. So this belongs with the previous verse. This, I, I am right to feel this way about you, belongs with the promise, God will be faithful to bring it to completion. I should feel this way about you. Now, the word feel there, again, uh, is a little bit, I think, under-translated. Um, it's not just, I have a strong feeling about this. Um, it, it's more than I have an understanding of or uh, the way I think about you. It's more encompassing. The, the word has to do basically with Paul's entire mindset about them. The Philippians, in general... Uh, his thoughts and his attitudes about them, not just his, his recognition of these things, but also his feelings that come from that. So his entire mindset about them, it's, it's a very broad term. I am right to feel this way about you because I hold you in my heart. So when I said earlier that it, it can't be that Paul is just thanking them for the cash, here's why. Not only does he say that they are um, part of the fellowship of the gospel. But in this verse, he says, for you are all partakers with me of grace. So we have been saved by grace through faith. Grace, remember I said last week, was uh, God's love for the undeserving. You, you don't earn it. You don't warrant it. You don't be good enough for God to love you. He just loves you. So we are all partakers of that love, of that grace. So it, it, it probably includes the, the offering that they gave him, but they, they put the offering in the hands of their dear friend Epaphrodites, 
who brought it to Paul and got sick and almost died. And they're, right, and they're concerned now about Epaphroditus. And so Paul writes them back. It's, it's, they have invested more than just their cash. They didn't do a PayPal transfer. They, they sent it by hand and, and it's sent with love. And so this is the idea that Paul says, I am sure of this and I'm right to feel this way that God will bring this to completion. Why? Because we are all partakers of grace. We have the fellowship of the gospel. We have union in the gospel. And, and when I read that, all partakers of grace with me, um, do you ever look at a senior saint, somebody who's farther up the holiness chain than you? Uh, it could be younger or older, but somebody else who's much more holy and go, well, man, they must really have it. That must be something special that they've got. No, it's the same thing. You are partakers of grace with the apostle Paul. It's the same thing. As a matter of fact, 2 Peter uh, chapter 1. The very beginning of Second Peter, Peter says, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained, obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Good news. Since it doesn't depend on you, since it is Jesus' righteousness given to you, your faith is equal to Paul's. Your righteousness is equal to Peter's. It's of the same value, of the same standing. So we are partakers of that grace with Paul. And then he says, both in my imprisonment and the defense and confirmation of the gospel. Uh, imprisonment here is, is appropriate. It's, it's a true word. But when you were imprisoned in a Roman prison, you also got chained up, often to a guard. So another way that that word might be translated is uh, bonds or chains, uh, both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. So how did the Philippians participate in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel? How are the Philippians participating with Paul's imprisonment? They're not there. They're not arrested, arrested in Rome with him. So minimally, I think at the base level, it could be that financial support. You are partaking of this with me because you're helping me survive this. You're helping me make it through it. But given the language of the first part of this Thanksgiving, that seems inadequate to boil it down to just thanks for the cash. It just doesn't hit the, the flavor of the thing. So what it could be is it could be that because of that strong relationship between Paul and the church, because the love they share for each other, that they are as wounded as he is, that he's in chains. And the reason I say that is 1 Corinthians 12, 26, Paul says, if one member suffers, all suffer together, together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. So that spiritual bond, that fellowship of the gospel means when that person is, is incarcerated and hurt, I'm feeling it. I'm wounded as well. And so that is perhaps what he's talking about. But there's another possibility. And we'll get to this in, um, in a, probably a couple of weeks. It's possible that the people, there are people in Philippi who are currently in jail as well. Because in verse 29 and 30, Paul says, for it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now here I still have. So it's entirely possible that the Philippians are supporting Paul. They're, they're recognizing that he's in chains, and he's writing back and saying, you guys, you people who are arrested too, we are, we are sharing in something that's very important that we are in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel. 
So it's possible that those things are what's going on, what he's got in, in mind there. So that's his, his message of thanksgiving for the Philippians. It, it's brief, but I think it's kind of loaded. So a question then is, what do we learn about Paul's thanksgiving for the Philippians that we can use in our church, that we can help us to understand what it means to be in the fellowship of the gospel for us? Um, well, one of the hallmarks of Christianity is the gospel. If you don't have the gospel, you don't have Christianity. Uh, so that, that's one of the central things. And so when we gather together to celebrate Jesus Christ, we are gathering because of the gospel. So here's, here's some thoughts on the fellowship of the gospel. Uh, just kind of going through what we read just now. The fellowship of the gospel is spiritual first. It is a spiritual reality. In verse 3, Paul thanks God for it. I thank my God always. That is a spiritual reality that God has wrought. It is spiritual. In verse 6, he says, I am sure that God began this and will bring it to completion. God is doing a spiritual work in us. So the fellowship of the gospel, first and foremost, is spiritual. The second thing is it's an ongoing association. It, it doesn't have an end. In verse 5, Paul recognizes that it is from the first day. And in verse 6, he says he is sure that God will bring it to completion, not that he has completed it. So we are continuing on in the fellowship of the gospel. We're continuing to walk in that way. Third, it is by grace. It, it is always by grace. Since it's spiritual and since God began it and he will complete it, then we have to say it's by grace because we can never be good enough to make God go, oh, I just really, that, that person is so special to me. They're just so wonderful. Look at all the great things they do. What he says is, I love this sinner, and therefore I'm going to bring them to myself. And now I have prepared good works for them to walk in from the foundations of the earth. Let's go. So it's, it's an upside down thing. It's by grace. It's God's work. It's God's love in us. And so Paul commends them to be encouraged to continue in it, to continue to walk in the grace. You are partakers of the grace. Now the bad news. The fellowship of the gospel is often resisted. It's often pushed back on. We saw that in Daniel, didn't we? Daniel was constantly coming up against these oppositions to his faith. Since the gospel is resisted to the point that Paul is in chains for its confirmation and defense, and since the gospel is restrained, fellowship then is resisted as well. So when, when they're trying to arrest and, and lock up Paul and tell him he can't share the gospel, he can't defend the truth of Jesus Christ, what they're doing is they're trying to eliminate fellowship as well. So the, the resistance threatens not just the spread of the gospel, but our fellowship in the gospel. It happened in Daniel. When they got thrown into the fiery furnace, it was to eliminate them. It was to stop their fellowship with anybody else. When Daniel was thrown into the lion's den, it was supposed to be the end of Daniel. It was going to end his fellowship. But God is faithful. He will bring it to completion. So in the world, there are influential, influential people and powers that don't want unity unless it grants them more power and more influence. Uh, there are those who aren't in power who want to seek um, unity around issues that they think are important. Unity around the gospel, though, calls us to give up personal power and a personal agenda 
And it looks at humanity not in, in what I can use them for or how can I manipulate them or how can I marshal them to my cause, but instead looks at humanity as a whole. It says, for Christ died for the whole world. He came for all people. There's, there's no one section of the, the world that he came from. He came for all people, people from everywhere. And so though it's resisted, it's resisted because it puts God at the center, not man. So we're second, and that's a great blessing. What's first in the, in the fellowship of the gospel is not us. It's Jesus Christ. And that's why it's resisted. And then finally, it's intellectual and it's emotional, right? Paul says, I, I know these things about you, and therefore I am filled. I'm overflowing with love. And we'll hear about that again or more next week. So too often we want to pit these two against each other. Um, if worship seems too emotional, uh, we fear it may be manipulation or performance. They're just acting like that so everybody thinks they're cool. If worship seems too intellectual and planned, well, we go, well, it's, it's just dry, dead, empty religion. What the truth of the matter is, is both of those aspects have to come into play. Both should be in use. So you don't get to the emotions without going through the head. You have to understand something. And when you understand it, you go, oh my gosh, that's beautiful. And the response had better be an emotional response. If you're told the eternally begotten son of God, who never had a beginning, never has an end, has always been in perfect harmony with the father, set aside all of those things and came to be a man among us, adding to his infinity the limitations of humanity so that he could come and be with us. And not just that, he came as a servant so that he could take your sins. He could take the burden for your sins, die in your place and give you his righteousness. If you go, hmm, that sounds like a good deal. I think that's, that's pretty good. You've missed the point. The response should be what we do every Sunday, which is burst out in song. It, it should resonate in your heart. So don't be afraid of the fellowship of the gospel if it's too intellectual. There are things in the Bible that really are heady, big, gigantic thoughts. I breezed over the, the hypostatic union, right? There's a hairy word for you. The fact that Jesus is both fully divine and fully human, except for sin. You can announce it really quick. You can spend a long time studying what does that mean? And if the, the end of that result, the end of that study is, here's all my answers on this, you know, 20 page paper, double spaced, one inch margins, Times New Roman 12 point font, and nothing else, you've missed it. The fellowship of the gospel has to be, sometimes those hairy big ideas, um, can God change? No, then what does it mean that God emptied himself? Because that's what we're gonna come to in chapter two. Jesus emptied himself of what? We're going to have to think about that. That's going to be big thoughts. But if I do this right, at the end, our heart should overflow with joy at what he's done for us. Just an amazing amount of love. So the fellowship of the gospel can be intellectual and it can be emotional. So for us, then, if you attend church because you like the people or the experience but are indifferent to the gospel, you are missing the sweetest fruit of the fellowship that we can have. The people, that's very important. God saved people. He likes people. He made a lot of them. He drew us together into a church. But if you just come for the people, you're missing the fruit 
You're missing the sweetness of what the, go- of what the fellowship of the gospel is. And the fellowship of the gospel is an ongoing work of God that has always been and is being resisted. So if you feel the struggle to maintain it, if you feel as it is sometimes hard work to maintain the fellowship of the gospel, don't be surprised. There are forces arrayed against the fellowship of the gospel. Human and, and supernatural forces arrayed against it. So don't be surprised. But don't forget the promise. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. He will do that. And so he does that. One of the ways he does that is through the fellowship of the gospel. You need other believers around you. You need to be honest with them going, man, I'm really struggling this week. It's hard for me to focus. I'm, I'm having a hard time. I'm reading. I'm in the book of Numbers right now. And man, I pray for me. It's hard to get through this. I mean, those are real feelings. It's really who you are. But you need the, the fellowship of the saints. If you participate in the fellowship of the gospel, don't be afraid of the resistance uh, to the intellectual aspect of it. There are going to be some big, difficult thoughts, and God is going to work through them. And don't fear the emotional side either. Don't be upset if you're in a Bible study and somebody starts sharing and they start crying. We have to go. Um, you know, we have an agenda here. That, that's part of it. That's a beautiful thing. God made us as an integrated whole. That theology should result in those emotions. That's what we're grasping at when we write a beautiful hymn or the hallelujah chorus is it's trying to grasp that beauty and bring it to root in our heart. And so never forget that the fellowship in the gospel is to partake of grace together. All of us, we are partaking of grace together. Be delighted in the salvation of the person sitting next to you. Thank God for that. Isn't that an amazing thing that he has done? And you know what? You should be especially delighted in the salvation of another Christian you don't like. That's that's the hard one. The people you like, it's easy. The people you go, they get on my nerves. Lord, thank you for saving them. And recognize because of the fellowship of the gospel, there will be a day when you two will be in harmony. Um, We're working on it. So the good news is you don't have to love everybody. Well, yes, I'm sorry. The, the good news is you don't have to like everybody. The, the, the great news is you just have to love them. So uh, God will take care of the rest. With that, let's, let's pray. Lord, we are thankful with Paul for the fellowship of the gospel, the truth of the, the promise that Jesus is our righteousness that you have given to us. And Lord, we are grateful for those around us that you have saved by that same message Lord, Holy Spirit, that you have poured faith into their hearts, that you have granted them the repentance, that you have opened their eyes like you did for Lydia so that they might see and grasp the height and the depth, the width of the glory of God in this beautiful message. And so, Lord, thank you that also you are building this this fellowship throughout eternity, across history, from the beginning to the end. Lord, you will be faithful to complete it. And Lord, mostly thank you for including us, for including me in that fellowship. Each one of us, each individual person person in this room, Lord, thank you for weaving them into the fellowship of the gospel. And Lord, may we grow in that. May we walk, and as you said in Romans 8, be conformed to the image of the Son, because you predestined us to be conformed to the image of the Son. May we grow in that grace as well. And Lord, we ask these things in your name, for your glory and for your church. Amen.
to welcome you to stand as we sing the final song. Church, come stand in the light. 
up from the grave. Christ is risen from the dead. We are one with him again. Come awake, come awake, come and rise up from the grave. song gets me every time. Um, want to invite you to fill out your communication card in the seat back in front of you. Um, we'll take prayer requests on there. If you want to know more about the church, um, share your information with us. We'll be glad to reach out to you. And that means that you can fill that out and not listen to me while I'm talking. Um, wanted to talk about our mask update. Um, we did a year worth of live stream only. And then we came back and we wore masks for a while. And then the COVID response died down. What we were focused on was the hospitalizations. We, we don't want to overrun the hospitals. What they said at the beginning was still a good idea. It's still a good idea now. But what we're seeing here in LA County is those numbers are climbing again. As a matter of fact, the hospitalizations are higher than they were during the summer surge. Not the fall surge, but the summer surge. So it just seemed wise to us to say, let's, let's take care of our neighbor and wear the mask again. That means you got to sing louder because you got a thing over your face. And it, that's a little bit selfish on my part because if you get used to singing louder with the mask, when we go back to no masks, then you'll just be singing louder all the, all the more. So isn't that great news? Uh, so yeah, again, this is not out of fear or, or uh, some morbid uh, uh, terror of a disease um, trampling over death by death, right? Um, it's just how can we love our neighbor? and not be a spreading event. So that's, that's what's going on there. Um, handful of announcements. Uh, first of all, the landscaping out front's done. Woohoo! So thank you for approving the, the finances for that. It looks okay right now. The reason is, is because they put the plants in and they're all pretty small. So give it a couple of months and when those plants grow, I think it's gonna look really nice out front. So thank you for doing that. And you know what that means? If you've been with us on the whole building refresh plan, what's next? The narthex. Everybody's been waiting for the narthex. 
So um, we've, we've got some drawings done on it. We've got some planning on it. And so we're gonna look at costs and, and plans and, and that kind of stuff. Probably won't get started until next year, but we finally arrived at the Narthex. So uh, that, that'll be happening um, next year. And so be, be ready for that. Um, third Friday prayer, every third Friday of the month, we meet across the hall in what is now the library, soon will be the Narthex. <laughs> can't wait. Um, so third Friday, we'll meet over there at 7 p.m. And we're just going to pray for revival and for the needs of the church. So if you're available, please join us. Um, next week is the Crumb Rise last week with us. After 20-something years, hard to believe they're, they're leaving. But um, Ramey will lead worship next week, right? Yeah. So Ramey's going to lead worship next week. That'll be his last time to lead worship with us. And then what we're gonna do is right after the service, we're gonna party. Um, we're gonna have a big celebration in, in the fellowship hall and all of that. So there are signups, the idea is tacos. Uh, it, it, we're gonna provide the meat. Um, it's gonna be kind of a potluck. So if tacos aren't your thing, go ahead and bring something that is your thing and then share that thing with everybody else so we can all enjoy that. So um, there's signups, um, Ashley has got them and Stephanie, I think are involved in that. Um, so please sign up for what you're gonna bring so we know what we got. And um, that will be again in the fellowship hall. So to that end, what we're gonna do right after the service is set up the fellowship hall. So if you feel like hanging around a little bit, don't mind moving some tables and chairs, we're gonna tear that room apart and put it back together. So that will be set up for the Krumrai going away celebration next week. So we don't have to worry about it. That also means that Sunday school won't be in there next week. So Sunday school will be in here next week. So just be, be ready and be flexible. Um, also, because of the Cremorai going away and the, the lunch afterwards, we're not gonna have leftovers at the Strombergs. Um, leftovers is a small group, uh, Bible study. Dan feeds us, it's really great. Free food, come on. Uh, but we won't be doing that because we'll have free food for lunch. So um, be aware of that. Um, I'm still looking if anybody took any pictures from the ordination service. Um, I'd like to, to gather them up so I can put, uh, I got a thing up on the, the hallway um, TV screen, but I'd like to see if we got some other pictures, possibly for the website or those kind of things. So if you've got any, please email them to me. Were you going to say something? Oh, sure. Yeah, so if you miss the joy of carrying boxes, 
here's your opportunity to catch up. There's one more shot. Yeah. And, uh, and again, Dave is the, the Tetris champ, so he will be directing how to get them all in there, and I'm sure it'll work fine. But um, so um, am I forgetting anything? I don't think so. I think that was it. I think that's all. Okay. So um, with your communication card, there's a black box on a stool by the door. You can just slide it in there. Um, and, uh, and we'll gather those up at the end. And by the way, the prayer list, we actually do pray for those. So they go out on an email throughout the week and we will pray for them. So if you've got a prayer request, please put them on there. So can I ask you to rise for our benediction, please? Um, I thought this would have to come from the sermon. There are so many great quotes from Philippians. Remember, I, re I read a bunch of them. So I think that's what's probably gonna be our benediction every week. So this week is, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it at the day of Jesus Christ. Amen.